I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello? Hello? Podcast Network Asia. This podcast is powered by Podcast Network Asia. For more information on the shows and the network, Visit podcastnetwork.asia and Podmetrics, the only analytics you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up for free at podmetrics.co and use my referral code RJ Ledesma. People see opportunities everywhere, and I think that's where technology has helped uh, everyone go online and be able to find a market not just from the people on your streets, but it's like. In the entire Philippines, right, and that, this is why also logistics as a space is going to be booming a little bit more because not everyone is able to kind of like transact so much quicker, right? I mean, I, I, in, when I was in Singapore, I used to love that I could get things delivered on the same day or the next day, and that was something that I really missed in the Philippines. But in the Philippines today, this is something that is available and and readily available. Hello and good evening. Welcome once again to a lovely, lovely Tuesday night. My name is RJ Ledesma and welcome to the RJ Ledesma podcast. In my podcast, I interview the country's pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs to learn more about how they think about business, what are their success secrets, how they've innovated and pivoted their businesses during this pandemic, and more importantly, what opportunities do they see emerging not only in the new normal, but what we are now calling the next normal. Now, is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the podcast? Please let me know. Drop me a message on the show. And just to let all of you know, we are also live right now on Kumu, CBRC TV, and Global Pinas TV. And again, this week, another set of founders who I've been wanting to interview for such a long time. And I want to pick their brains a bit more as to what they did during this pandemic to pivot their businesses. And I've had, lo- I've had a lot of uh, convergence with them even prior to this pandemic. I'll be talking to the founders and the CEO of Ancas, Angeline Tam and George Roeka. And they'll sit down with us right now to discuss their operations and how they were able to pivot their business during the pandemic. I will also will hear about how they coordinated with the government on laws and regulations in the motorcycle taxi industry. Now, let's talk about, first of all, the boss, the, the true boss over here, Angeline Tam. Now, Angeline is a serial entrepreneur who launched one of the top online auction outfits in Singapore. Then from there, uh, she was brought over, she was exported to the Philippines by uh, George Royeka, and she conceptualized the foundation of Ancas, where she, al- where she arrived apparently late because... Uh, she was in several meetings due to traffic. And the Angeline Tam is the better half of George Royeka. So a very interesting story. George and Angeline are married and they work together on Ancas. And myself and my wife, uh, Vanessa, we also work together in a Mercato. So very interested to find that what is the husband-wife dynamic in running a company uh, as big as Ancas. So George, on the other hand, is a 
firm advocate of inclusive mobility and sustainable shipping. He's also a champion of local brands and an award-prevailing visible storyteller. Last year, he was just awarded one of the outstanding young men. Congratulations, Pamia. Pakita mo yung, ano, yung trophy mo dyan, ha, George. He also led the Ingat Angat Tayong Lahat campaign, which is part of the private sector support for Task Force 3. For those who don't know what Task Force 3, uh, T3, no, that stands for Test, Trace, and Treat. And it also currently has a partnership with the Philippine Red Cross. And Angkas became the first professional motorcycle taxi service in the Philippines to aid the delivery of humanitarian uh, interventions such as first aid, blood needs, and other responses related to our fight against COVID-19. And during this time, they're very helpful for companies like myself, Mercato. They also launched their own food delivery service with the hope uh, of providing income to their bikers amidst the wide community quarantine. So let's please welcome on the show very, very lovely people. Please welcome from Ankash, Angeline Pham, and George Royeka. Guys, welcome to the RJ Ledesma podcast. Hi, very RJ. happy Thank to see you. Very you. Much. Hi, hi. Thanks for that very Can generous and long introduction. I know. I, I wanted to make sure it was proper. I, you saw you guys have been, have been married, right? How many years have you been married? If you don't mind me asking. Six. Six years. Coming to six years. Yeah. You have to confirm... <laughs> You have to look to your wife to confirm uh, that you were married. Uh, how, uh, how, how many years have you been happily married? <laughs> <laughs> happily married. Ha- happily married. No, just just confirm it. It's like a fraction involved. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. But uh, you know what? I usually do this because I'm a wedding host. No? Just to confirm how happily married my couples are or, or people there. Can I just confirm for you how happily married you are? Can I just clink my glass? Pakis naman dyan. Konti kiss lang naman. Isang kiss lang. Sige na. George, isa lang para sa ating mga bisita. Kahit sa cheek lang. Ayan, ayan. <laughs> wow! Happily married. Vanessa, you want to come over and kiss me as well? No, no. It's okay. You can stay over there. And, and this is the nice thing about both George and Angeline. You know, like I said, we've got many points of convergence. I actually met George not even via, via Angkas, but through the IMAP, which is the Internet and Mobile Marketing Association of the Philippines and Angeline has been a guest many times for Go Negosho. We've hosted many times for Go Negosho together. She's been a speaker. But recently, we were both inducted at the same time uh, into the Management Association of the Philippines. Wow. So we, we were very formal there as well. And wow, George, in the back, can you see it in the back? That is his outstanding young men award uh, there in the back. Can you? Galing talaga ni George. Idol talaga si George. Now, uh, for those listening to us here right now, uh, can you just clarify? Many people are also asked, have been asking us, what has been the current state like right now of Angkas? Is it running? And how is it like running right now? Uh, maybe Angeline, uh, you're the boss. So uh, what's what's happening to uh, to Angkas right, like right now? Um, so right now, um, so so when the pandemic happened, uh, transportation all got shut down, right? So we we pivoted to deliveries, and we're doing all of these things, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more later. Um, we were able to bring back uh, transportation in December, right? So basically, we did a lot of R&D. We came up with a shield barrier. It's approved by, you know, IETF. was uh, co-created with a lot of the safety experts uh, in the field, right? It was tested by UP of uh, public, public Health. Um, so all of this to give confidence back to the riders to, to be able to, um, you know, take Ancas, right? Ancas is open air. Right, it's fully ventilated. Actually, that's probably one of the safest ways to ride. Um, so we're very happy to be able to bring back transportation um, to everyone, right, of, of, of all classes at a very affordable rate. 
you know, it's 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 getting better, right? Uh, we're getting more customers coming back. Uh, and so we're really happy to be able to serve uh, more people now. Okay, so it, it's it's moving back, and I really want to hear the story of it moving back because you know uh, I know I've had several conversations with George. I mean, the story of Ancas is one pain point to another. And if you're and if you're not built like an entrepreneur or with an entrepreneurial mindset, uh, you'll want to give up. But I mean, that's really how I mean. This is Ancas. I mean, this is basically it was an entrepreneurial mindset through and through from the very start. And I know I understand also aside from you doing bringing back sort of people riding on the motorcycle, you're also doing right now something that is a bit higher benefit or something that's, you know, para sabay. And George, can you tell me a bit more about what you guys are doing right now as well? Well, we are right. You know, um, Ancas really tested our entrepreneurial spirit. In fact, it tested our spirit, period, <laughs> not just entrepreneurial. Um, but then, yes, I mean, with a lot of challenges and a lot of crisis, in fact, many of my talks, um, the, the, the title of my presentation is A Crisis in Every Turn. You know, you are able to learn a lot and then eventually give back as well. No? And right now, we have just recently announced a few days ago a very momentous partnership with the Philippine Red Cross. I mean, the Philippine Red Cross is really an organization I've wanted to partner with for the longest time. We share the same core principles of volunteerism, um, charity, um, and really just um, community nation building. You know, and um, this is something that I think is. Uh, I heard from Senator Dick Gordon himself that this is the first in the world that the Red Cross has tapped uh, motorcycles, you know, in such a large scale to be first responders. Um, so we are part of the 143 Whoa. volunteer system, and we will be the ones reporting on, you know, typhoons, first responder for crimes, and you know, a lot of these different uh, calamities, um, you know, in emergency situations, uh, escorting ambulances. But on top of that, we are actually going to be delivering and collecting saliva PCR um, to the rest of the people in Metro Manila um, that will wow. make this very, very accessible to a lot more people and hopefully be part of what we wanted to do, RJ, from the very beginning, which is why we've come, we've crossed paths so many times to the IATF, is really try to push for economic recovery with what you're doing with your, your, your different organizations, Bounce Back PH, and then you know also with what you've been working on with the IATF. It's really something that everybody is, trying to do. And I think this will have an impact in, in getting people, a lot more people tested, making it more accessible. Plus it's much, much cheaper than the current uh, PCR swabbing. And it's saliva. So everybody, everybody's okay to spit, right? You know, putting a, yeah. putting a swab up your nose is always going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. I, I like spitting. No problem. No problem over here with spitting over here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, is it part of like a service that people can... Uh, is it up for higher service or is it a profit what you're doing with the Red Cross? But I mean, not, not, I mean not, not exactly a large profit, but rather just enough to, I guess, break even. How, how does it work? What's the relationship? Well, you don't mind I think everybody knows and we're all in the same, I guess, storm, you know, but different boats, obviously, that there's a fraction of our ridership is, you know, we're just at the fraction of our ridership. So we're always looking for ways to expand revenues and services um, for our drivers, um, we've done this during the pandemic. We'll talk a little bit about that later. This is really, of course, it has to be sustainable, but this is something that we kind of contribute um, in terms of the logistics side and the expansion and the ability to make it more accessible to the rest of the country. So, you know, definitely there will be some some, some fees around it. We're finalizing that right now um, with the Philippine Red Cross, trying to see what will you know, be uh, okay and palatable to everybody, but it's definitely not going to be the, the usual fees, the convenience fees that you're, you're, you're slapped with right now um, when you want to get uh, swabbed at home. 
Uh, so it's much right. more cheaper than that. Yeah. Now, and just the reason why I bring it up is because I'm realizing like when I, when I contemplate my own business, seeing what you're doing is that sometimes when you're doing business in the pandemic, one of the things, I think a business model right now, I don't want to say it's a business model, but social entrepreneurship attached to your business becomes more relevant nowadays. Like say, for example, people want to use your services because there's something more meaningful about using it. Like for example, for us, uh, we partnered up with Save the Children Foundation. Uh, because Save the Children helps uh, children with disabilities, especially to learn during this pandemic. So we yeah. said, you know, w- when you're when you're buying food, I mean, you're not just buying food anymore. You're actually helping. Uh, you're we're doing a bit of contribution to these people. So it's the same thing. Like saying, if I'm going to be using um, Angkas, it's not just because I like Angkas. It's because now Angkas is out there uh, to help other people as well. You know, RJ, I, yeah. I've been I've been telling this to a lot of entrepreneurs, and I guess I have a chance to in your in, you know in your podcast to also share this to many of the entrepreneurs that are watching here, don't be shy about making money. Don't be shy about it, right? Create a business model, create a business model that works um, and solve a problem, right? So if you're solving a problem, um, you'll realize people will want to compensate you for it, whether it's in cash or in partnerships, it's in kind or gratification, you know, uh, gratitude. But, you know, you, you need to, if since you're going to go through the entire gamut of building a company, running operations, which is extremely difficult versus becoming an employee, they might as well solve a problem. And this is what you're doing right now. I mean, social entrepreneurship is relevant right now because it solves that part of the social problem that we are all, you know, we are all experiencing together. So, you know, your business is always attached to, to that. Um, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with being for profit as long as you're actually solving a real problem. And helping people. And help, if you solve a problem, you help people, right? So no, that's right. don't be shy about that, especially during this time of the pandemic. Yeah. And, and what we often say, I mean, what I often say about solving a problem is that, you know, it's irritation leads to inspiration. So if you are irritated by something and, and somebody else is irritated by something, if you can solve that irritation, that's where we make money. I mean, that that's basically it. And, Sometimes social enterprise or entrepreneurship also also solves that point. Um, Angas. Or irritation. Angas. Yeah. It's it's all about irritation, right? I mean, mean, yeah, please go and continue. I I moved here from Singapore, right? And in Singapore, if it's like 15 minutes, it's considered like a little bit far. (laughs) So (laughs) the level, unfortunately, wasn't so high. Um, But... I mean, when Filipinos I here, are very forgiving, apparently. Yes, when when I moved here, I realized that it was very, it was very acceptable to be like an hour late for meetings. It was very acceptable that like people people will make that. It's very acceptable to like take two to three hours to get to work one way, right? And that just blew my mind, right? And then and I think what 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 you don't also see, right? We we have the statistics from um Jaika study that says that. You know, uh, the, the the country loses like 2.4 billion pesos every single day because of the mm-hmm. traffic on EDSA. Every single day, right? Because of lost economic opportunity. But it, it doesn't take into account the fact that you also lose your freedom to choose, right? The freedom to choose where you work, the freedom to choose where your child goes to school, the freedom to choose where your friends are, right? Like, a lot of his friends, when I moved here, his friends were in Green Hills. I live in Rockwell, in Makati. And okay. I found it extremely difficult to, to maintain <laughs> friendships. To brave that traffic, right? For, for dinner, where everyone would be late anyway, right? Um, to go all the way there uh, just for dinner. And then half the time, people always cancel because they're too tired or, you know, it's just like, 
traffic's too bad. I, I can't make it anymore. I, 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 you know? Imagine that, oh. you know, you're a guy living in Anabang and your <laughs> potential girlfriend is all the way in Malabon. It's like, come on. You really have to be either super in love or, you know, or really want that person. And, it, and, and it's funny now we talk about it, but that could be your future wife. And imagine that's your future family and your pool is cut down to like your neighborhood. You know, and, exactly. and the, the, the horrific side of it is, you know, there was this girl during one of our first um, uh, public hearings in the LTFRB, and we didn't even know who she was, but she was in tears. Apparently, she was one of her customers, and she lived in Antipolo. Uh, she worked in Mega Mall. So she would wake up every day at 4 o'clock in the morning to get to work wow. by 9 a.m. She would leave Mega Mall at 6 p.m., wait in line for two hours, and get home by 11 p.m. R- rinse and repeat every single day. The problem was she was a single mom. She, she wow. never saw a child. And, yeah. you know, this is the only place I've heard that you're an OFW in your own city, right? It's not even your own country that you're in Min- Manila and your parents are loved ones in Mindanao. In your own city, you barely see your family. So it's really an attack to the quality of life. And that's what, to Ancas, it's, for, for many, it's a, it's a convenience. But for just as many, you know, it's really a key to living a quality life and people that's why people have been so such fierce advocates of motorcycle taxis from first they wanted to kill the motorcycle drivers on the road and bump them off the road now they just want to embrace them and you know they're their lifesavers because they they realize that life is more than traffic and traffic actually has made our choices so limited and so restricted every major and minor things about what we do every single day, all these decisions revolve around traffic. It's ridiculous. Exactly. And, and you know, they, they say that, I mean, for example, I, I often compare when, when I talk, when I do my own talks on entrepreneurship, I always bring the case of Ankas over there because it's, it's the way that you think about right now, you cannot be complacent when it comes to business because it's all about disruption. And, and what Ankas brings is what you call disruptive innovation because you're replacing an old market and value network with a totally new market and value network. And of course, when that happens, there's a lot of friction because there are established systems and they cannot fathom how they're being disrupted, like how taxis were disrupted by Uber, how Airbnb disrupted the hotel system, or how other things are being disrupted. That's exactly you guys. So that's why when I saw what was happening there, it wasn't just because it was a great idea. It was a great idea, but the problem was that it was a disruptively great idea that was um, upending current business models or institutions who didn't want to be disrupted. Is that a, a, a correct understanding of what was happening to Ancas on its earlier days, George I mean, Adeline? You know, even, even funny, funny you mentioned that because even our most loyal customers um, at, the at the start had a, <laughs> had a mindset issue, right? Uh, they would actually get dropped off three houses before their house. We did a survey and everything and it's funny because their Lola would get mad at them. They were yeah. they were shy with their friends that they were taking a motorcyclo because of the habal, uh, you know, stigma around it. So yeah, it, it it was clearly, clearly, clearly different. You know, although our approach, the, the business model wasn't unique. Uh, habal habal has been here for years uh, and even decades. Um, but really, I think our approach with with it be it putting technology in it, you know, making it professionalizing, professionalizing the service, putting insurance training. Um, and of course, our, our magical twist in social media and making everything sound funny and, and, and guttery, you know, so it, 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 changed, it changed a lot of people's mindset around this. That was, 
yes, a great idea initially, but then it was a great idea that's met with a lot of negative stigma. Sorry, Resistance yeah. at the start, yeah. It, it was a great idea to us. It wasn't a great idea to a lot of people. And now when people look back, they're like, wow, that was such a great idea of you to start Amkas. But if they were in our shoes at that point, that was not any, nobody was telling us that. Yeah. <laughs> but but there, were, there were mindset obstacles. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, you, uh, that's why I think George is kind of key over here. If you don't mind me saying, Angelique, George is kind of key in helping create the kind of, say, the correct type of marketing communication to change yes. the mindset about a motorcycle taxi. I, I mean, who would have thought that you could use people like Dante Gulapa to be your brand ambassador? I mean, for me, that was a marketing. I find that to be a marketing coup because people are laughing about it, but they're also seeing, oh, this is interesting. Is that right, George? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think uh, the approach is uh, very relatable. Um, and for us, everything, everyone was, uh, every, it was all part of community building. So to us, everybody was part of the community, even if you were not an Ancas rider or passenger. Because even if you're not an Angkas rider or passenger, you still laugh about Dante Golapo's video with Angkas online, or our, you know, our, you know, uh, I was gonna say that M word, but the the uh, our the short people that we got in our video yeah. and Tarana and you know the whole parody approach that we took and very very comical. And you share that video regardless whether you took an Angkas or not, and you become part of that community. Right, or you'd wear our T-shirt that said we, you know, we were safer than condoms, you know, and that was also another very, very uh, strong engagement with the community. So it, it really resonated with everyone. Hi, babe, Jay Miranda here, your virtual boyfriend. I have a podcast with my friends Adikos and Christopher Starr called Under the Influence. Hey, what's up? This is Adikots. Come on and listen to us na kasi. Christopher Starr here. Let's talk about the business of social media. Paano lapitan ng mga brands at ano-ano ang mga bagong social apps na dapat mong abangan. And if you want to know all about social media, how to start and how to succeed, better listen to this. We are also giving you the business perspective, not just on the creator's view, but the corporate side as well. Yeah, babe. Tara na. If you want to learn, head over to Under the Influence. I like that. And I want to go back. I want to get a bit more into the story of Ancas because this is a really, uh, it's a really great story. Uh, but before that, you know, the other thing that was also happening amidst this pandemic, which I saw, no, was that Ancas, you, George, were getting involved in developing the Ingat Angat campaign, uh, which basically yeah. was a private sector campaign led to, I, I would say, balance of the recovery of the economy with health. To my mind, you know, uh, that's a great thing. You're putting time behind it. But it's also a time-consuming thing and it didn't have something at the time for me, you know, directly related to what you're doing for Angkas, but you did it anyway. Was it something that was out of your own conscience? Was it also, there was also a business objective in the end? I mean, and I think that's a fair question to ask, because siempre, what we do in the end, we want to make sure that there's some kind of business relation to it. Uh, what, what, do you, what, me, do, what do you have to say? I think for me, ultimately, there was a broad business objective in the end, which is like uh, getting the economy back up. Um, it was good for everybody. If nobody was going to put in the time and effort, yeah, I might as well do it because um, if I could help push it along, then I would. But I think initially it was really just, you know, even before Ingat Angat, I was actually working with uh, Joey Concepcion uh, with Project Arc and Guanigosho, all of the testing initiatives that he started. And then I was volunteering there very heavily. Then I met that Task Force T3 
and test, trace, and treat, uh, Secretary Vince Tison, Secretary Charles Gavis. And for months, I was working back and forth with the operations side, you know, trying to see how we can help. And it would, they built such a fantastic ecosystem of private sector and government collaboration that it just worked. And what I, I, I before, during, before I joined T3, before I joined Joy Conception with Project Arc and Gonigosho, I was super scared of the virus and I was locked at home. As I was getting more and more information about what was happening, um, I started to feel more confident about the entire situation. And I told Vince, I remember this very vividly. I said, guys, we need to tell the country about what's happening. And that actually started the communications aspect of the government, um, pushing a lot of these initiatives of testing, tracing, and treating onto the consciousness of people. And I think the culmination of that was ingat anatayin lahat. I got uh, Margot Torres, which co-led um, the initiative, and we went on a roadshow talking to all the brands, and we thought that we were going to have a hard time convincing Coke and Pepsi, Petron and Shell, McDonald's and Jollibee to you know, be in one video together, but we didn't. Everybody was thinking the exact same thing. It was pretty magical, actually, and everybody wanted to help. It took us five minutes to talk to them, and wow. the CEOs, the heads, the conglomerates, everyone just said, yes, 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 we're in. Um, and overwhelming support, overwhelming display of unity, um, and it just worked. You know, when something just works, it works. And I'd love to take the credit for it, but it was super easy, dude. It was like, you know, anybody oh. could have been there and 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 do it, uh, and it would have worked. And it's just, uh, it was just an amazing experience. Um, and you were well, part of it, RJ, also. Well, thanks Thank for you. having me as your host. I mean, uh, I mean, yeah. and, and Mercato, of course, is part of that as well. Very happy. Yeah. What an impressive what an impressive thing to do. What a, for me, a selfless thing to do for business. Angelina deserves one more kiss, but you can reserve that for after the show uh, is done. No? But uh, that, that's a great story. I think that's what I want people to understand. You know, many of us, that's what I find with many entrepreneurs, you know, parang they do business, but they always find that there's a higher objective to doing business. It's not just helping themselves, but it's really you know why? Help, helping more people. Why? Why? Tell me why. You know why? I think the entrepreneurs, and Angie, they chime in on this one, right? For us, an entrepreneur, we have this natural... Uh, sense or innate uh, wantness or need to solve a problem. Yes, yes. Entrepreneur is nothing but problem solvers. We just yes, look at yes. it and it's a problem. And sometimes it's not even your problem. You're ducking down Pakelamero. And yes. that's what I was actually in the beginning, <laughs> like talking to DOH, talking to this. And like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> like, what is Ankas doing here? Right? Who is it? And, you know, it's just, and eventually, you know, you realize that if you can help, do it. Just do it. Wow. Uh, and would you like to, to chime in? Because, I mean, you were actually solving a Philippine problem when you were in Singapore. I mean, out of Singapore, right? So well, what is your perspective about, you know, because in the end, Angkas is really, it's not, it's almost like a public utility, if you think about it. It's not just a, an app. It's a public utility, really, right now. Your thoughts, please. Uh, I don't think we realized how popular it would get, right? Um, we really just wanted to help professionalize an, uh, an existing service to make it safer for people, make it more convenient for people. Um, but then it kind of like grew along the way. Uh, <laughs> Badly and rightly yeah. and wrongly. <laughs> I mean, Good had, and bad. I think we've been shut down three times. Two yeah. times. I've, I've lost yeah. count. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, it's... You know, it, it's right. We're, we're just we're just trying to we're just trying to make things better, right? That's really that's really our goal. Whatever we can do, whatever we can optimize, however we can help our communities, you know, our bikers. Um, you know, uh, it, when when the pandemic happened, we were helping frontliners, we were helping restaurants. You know, that's that's really, you know, I mean, it's easy it's easy to give up, 
right? Because it's like, this is too hard. But then we kind of like channel that, that energy towards like, okay, what can we do better? I mean, given the current situation, what can we do? So I think that helps us continue uh, despite the challenges that we face. Yeah. And, and I really want to get into the, the part of the story because you always, you know, for many entrepreneurs, you've got that, what's the deepest point for you? And then you start climbing up again. I mean, those oh, are the, the people the, really the want to hear because the roller coaster. But what was that point where you went, woo, really down and then up again? But we'll get we'll get to that in a bit. Yeah. Bef- before we go there, no, the, the other question I want to ask. So let's take a step step back right now, no. And what I really want to talk about is, is maybe what I call the secret origin, the secret origin of Ancas, but really the secret origin that brought Angeline here to the Philippines. Uh, and, and start of this business. So, Ankas, you thought of when you were already here. Is that that's right, Angeline? Uh, you had to be here and on the ground to think of this idea. Yeah. Working with the with and, and that came from you. Yeah, it's not a new idea. It's uh, it's yeah. So existing. How, how, yeah, it's not a new idea. So, but but then you were like you were out of you were so that's a bit more. You were in Singapore. Uh, yes. uh Then then all of a sudden, uh, this gentleman so, comes in. This this Filipino. Are you asking how we met? Because <laughs> that's an interesting story. So, so tell us a bit more. I mean, about your own journey from Singapore to the Philippines. So, so it was actually my first time in the Philippines. I came with the Singapore government. They had a program where you know they bring Singapore startups to other countries to see if they can explore business opportunities. Um, so, so my first time in the Philippines, I met George in a bar. We were uh, we were introduced by the Singapore government. Him it was a business conference a in a bar, <laughs> and uh, and and yeah. So so that that started um, my my little trip down the Philippines. I and, followed her to Singapore. <laughs> actually, I would because I would do some work there, so I go back and forth. And then yeah, so I, I courted her from the Philippines, and then eventually I ran out of money, and I was like, hey, you gotta come back here. <laughs> I can't even <laughs> afford to go there. Best irritation that brought her back to the Philippines, the by running out of money. First milestone. First milestone. And then so Angeline, was it uh, was it the San Miguel beer? Was, was it attraction at the first sight when you saw him in the bar? Or did it take a couple of more I- I- encouragement for you to, to move so over here? He was bald. <laughs> ah, he and, was, uh, huh? Yes. I've been bald all my life, actually. So she's the one who put hair on me. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was love at first sight, but he was definitely I think it was interesting. For her. And uh, and then he invited he invited me for dinner the next night, and I thought it was a business meeting, so I brought my business partner with me. Oh, <laughs> and he was no like, shock. I was like, why are you doing hers? <laughs> um, but definitely, it's uh, there was a lot of attraction. I would say. Well, I, I like that. I like that. That's a great way to start a startup. But what was your startup in Singapore? So if you don't mind me asking, what was your startup in Singapore? Uh, and what was the irritation that you were st- or problem you were trying to solve in Singapore that you thought you could export here to the Philippines as well? So the startup I was running in Singapore is called Sold.sg. Uh, we were an auction e-commerce site. And basically, we would sell brand new items at very low prices um, because of the auction mechanism. Right. So I think in that sense... We're solving people who needed entertainment. <laughs> right, because, Shoppertainment. Uh, Shoppertainment. Shoppertainment. Sort of like that. Yes. So it's a very exciting and fun way to, um, to be able to try and buy items at a very low price. So, so we, we had the business in Singapore, Malaysia, and eventually also in the Philippines. 
with my trusted business partner. <laughs> oh, this one, this one beside you. This one beside you. Just making sure it's him. How's the business right now? Is it is it still running? What's the current state of your auction after? You so know, we uh, we actually sold the business to another company. Um, they were running it for another few years, um, but then they shut down completely. Um, pandemic. Then, yeah. So so it's not running anymore. And the, and the company's out of the company's out of Singapore, or is it, was it doing business out of Singapore, or? Uh... Uh, it was it was a Southeast Asian company, so they had that for like Indonesia, Australia, a couple of other countries. Yeah. Wow, and and wow, it, it's a very interesting story that your original company didn't survive the pandemic, but Angkas is surviving the pandemic. I mean, I mean, that's just we're, how we're, I, hanging, we're, we're hanging in there. <laughs> I like, I like that hanging in there. I mean. We, yeah. we were we were all hanging in there. Okay, so um, you, you were the main George exported you or imported you rather here to the Philippines. Is that is that right? And then you got married about uh, six years ago. So tell us a bit yeah. more. Uh, how did how did Ankas come about? I mean, you were running the auction. You were running the you know the auction. I guess uh, maybe out of here with your trusted business partner over here. How did Ankas start to evolve into an idea? Was George doing something else, or were you just uh, so, pushing him around? Was he was he taking care of the home? What was happening? So it took, it took some time to start Ankas, right? So when I first moved here, um, I did a couple of things. You know, I, I worked um, as a, a freelance uh, consultant for e-commerce, which is like before the time, right? Uh, I did some work for a software affiliated fund here. I spent some time working at Grab as well, right? And that's kind of where I got the experience and the idea to, to, to run to start Ankas, right? Because the right healing business. So, so it took some time, I think maybe... Two, two years, two years, three years after three years, I moved yeah. here. George, George wasn't, you know, really that involved at the start, right? Um, I was like, what the hell are you doing in motorcycles? Honestly, uh, we didn't know how much trouble we would get into with Ankas, you know. And I think, I, I think, you know, George decided to step in, <laughs> facing some government problems. And uh, so we would have meetings in the house, and he'd be in the next room, and he'd be like, "Oh my God, what are they talking about? We should not be doing that." So he was extremely opinionated. And then I said, you know, if you want to help, feel free to like jump in, right? And and that's kind of how um, he became our chief transport advocate. So they were running actually and then they got shut down. And they got padlocked. And, you know, I, was, I knew what was going <laughs> on, but not did. really. Their office got radio. like, what's going <laughs> on here, right? I mean, I, I didn't know it was that serious. I thought it was just, you know, a shakedown or what, what not. And then they hired some consultants, you know, like, you know, left and right. And they all had these ideas. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so lame. Don't do that. And I kept, like, telling her after the meetings, right? And she was like, you stop bugging me about this after everything. You might as well just join the meetings. And I find, fine, I'll join. And that's how it kind of started, you know. And ultimately, we got shut down completely uh, as our first milestone. I always talk about it as our first milestone because that was the first pivot. So we pivoted to deliveries, but then we took that time, that was about a year, took that time to really figure out what was going on. Why were they so hesitant and negative? You know, in the beginning, we thought it was just like government being government. You know, there was some corruption involved there or whatnot. We had all of these conspiracy theories and then we realized that you know, Habal Habal was rampant in the Philippines, but in the worst possible way, because there were Skylabs, people were wearing it without, you know, we, we were riding it without helmets. 
Um, you know, there's three three regulations in the Philippines. No, uh, you have to wear a helmet. You can only put uh, one passenger behind you, and you can't have any modifications. And indiscriminately, this is being violated across the country. Um, so we thought, we realized where they were coming from, and that's when that started that whole kind of convergence or you know meeting in the middle and trying to compromise. And that's where a lot of the regulatory work started. Uh, we knocked on everyone's doors: Congress, Senate, reporters, everybody. Nobody wanted to believe us at that time. Apparently, there was a bill um, that was in Congress for Habal Habal um, since the 15th Congress. It was like nine years ago um, or some at that time. It was a long time and nothing was being pushed. Um, and then we realized the negative stigma. The entire community was so fragmented. There were issues with tri- tricycles. It was a mess. And I was like, oh my God, what did you get into? Can I just, can I just say that, you know, number one, like bikers are wearing mask or you know ski mask right not yeah. because they're trying to rob you but because it's freaking hot and dirty and, and plus now smoke. it's completely acceptable to be doing that but yes. before right people we like, pioneered oh face masks <laughs> in this country Ankas pioneered face masks we taught people to wear face masks in metro manila long before covid did <laughs> yeah so and then you know but bikers are not bad people, right? Just because like getaway vehicles or, you know, uh, assassinations are conduct- conducted on bikes. It's not because of bikers being bikers. It's because if you were like too, if you had a little bit of brains, you would know that if you did that in a car, you would, you know, you wouldn't get You'd be far. stuck in traffic. <laughs> right? That's right. That's and, right. And, 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 and it's funny because... um Back then, they wanted to see people's faces. Not only would they yeah. take off the helmet, but they would actually take off the face mask, you know? And it's just ridiculous because she insisted on this face mask for health reasons, you know? And for her, being the Singaporean she is, she had, she had zero compromise in safety, right? And she's like, I don't care if we pay for the mask. We had a hairnet, we had a mask, which was unheard of back then. And we're just going to have to do it. And, you know, she, she stuck with that. And now the entire world's wearing masks. Wow. <laughs> Pioneered by, by Ankas. Huh? I love that yeah. story. Over there. But this, I, I just want to ask uh, Angeline and George. So the idea originally became, came because, number one, you, 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 at least you got, you got exposed to Grab. So I guess where ride hailing made sense. And you also saw, to my mind, is because you saw, oh, look at traffic here in the Philippines. 15 minutes in Singapore. You're late. 15 minutes here. It's just, you're just starting off, right? Did you did you also? I mean, people look at Gojek as the the Gojek in Indonesia as the primary example of motorcycle taxi, and it it was enormous over there. Was it sort of like that as well? Were you also looking at business models from outside, and you said, "Okay, this looks like it's working. Let's bring it to the Philippines and just you know take the same model and do it here," because that's what people from they they would say, "Rocket, uh, you know, Rocket uh, yeah. Internet used yeah. to do. That's what they do. They would yeah. take other models and bring it here to the Philippines and just readapt it for." I guess developing countries. Well, what were your thoughts on that one? Is it did it come from a Gojek model or was it something that you I mean, you, you kind a, of merged several concepts? It's 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 the exact same model. There's no difference in the sense that motorcycles, you know, that you can use that you can call on your phone, right? But I think the difference here is, you know, I, I did my studies of uh, of of the of the models um, in the other countries and like safety wasn't something that was I, I think for us the difference here is like safety is really one of our core pillars. Right, that's something that we have zero compromise on because I, I kind of felt like you know there's a there's a responsibility as a company to make sure that you know only the best bikers are out there. We've trained over a hundred thousand bikers for free, but we only have like thirty thousand on the platform. That's because we fail a lot of them. I mean, they can come back and keep trying. I have bikers who've tried like seven times and they finally passed. I'm super happy. 
but but that's really one of our core pillars, and that's something we take very seriously. And and I think part of that is also because you know it's like the professionalism is so important, and it's it's served us in the long run as well, right? Because of the stigma that we have against motorcycles, which is something I think maybe the other countries take for granted, right? So a lot of people don't have, I mean, they don't have that kind of um, stigmatism that they have in the other countries as we have here. So they don't take safety so seriously because it's just like a way of life, right? Um, so like if you go to Vietnam, yeah. you go to Thailand, Indonesia, uh, motorcycles are so rampant, including the capital, that, you know, a motorcycle accident is it's just yeah, another, nobody, nobody cares, right? <laughs> yeah. There's a few motorcycle yeah. accidents, just we're kind of used to it. In the Philippines, it's different because the decision was highly centralized uh, in Metro Manila, which had less motorcycles. Uh, you know, but then if you go out of Metro Manila, the ratio is actually 18 to 1. If you look at the stats now, and this is the stats back then as well, um, but just a lot more, there are 18 million motorcycles compared to 4 million cars. And the 4 million cars, 30, 50% of that is in Metro Manila. Um, hence the horrendous traffic here. So um, nobody really thought of the Philippines as a motorcycle country, even though we were, um, because a lot of the motorcycles were in the provinces where they had no voice and there was no, nobody really knew what was happening then from a decision-making standpoint. So from a regulatory standpoint, motorcycles were seen as not worthy in the road, um, you know, and mm -hmm. they were second-class citizens and not regarded in any way whatsoever. So that was for a company like us to come in and represent them and fight for them you know, and somebody representing and fighting for them with legal capacity. You know, we went to the court, we got a PRO, you know, we did all of the proper channels. We went to the technical working group in Congress. We went to community transportation. We made white papers after white papers after white papers. We pleaded our case to the media. And all of a sudden, there was this logic behind motorcycles in a way that nobody's ever seen. And everybody started taking notice, including the business people. We went, we went to an, a, like a, a roadshow convincing businesses, you know, that, hey, you might not know us, but all of your staff, you know, knows us. And I was talking oh, to yeah, Joe. Yes. I was talking to <laughs> Joe Sean, and he was like, I know you because all of my drivers uh, take you and all of my yayas take you. I'm like, exactly. You know, we were, we were representing that silent workforce that needed to get to work. How the hell did they get to Rockwell or Forbes or Dasma? It was not a magic carpet ride. You know, all of these people took motorcycles. And, you know, it just, it just, that came together. Um, and people realized how big the impact was. You know, one out of three Filipino families own a motorcycle. 99% of them are low-income family household. Over half depend on motorcycles for livelihood. The motorcycle is the first purchase that a low-income family household thinks about and aspires to so that it could get them out of poverty. So the impact of motorcycles is far-reaching more than just us, more than just Jollibee delivering your burger and your chicken joy. The far-reaching implication of motorcycle is the base of pyramid that we talk about and how to get them out of poverty. Um, it's it's an entrepreneurial tool that many of our brothers and sisters and our you know fellow citizens use or are highly highly dependent on. Hey there, this is Nikki Torres. Check out Chief Best Friends, a podcast for work besties everywhere. If you've ever wondered whether business and friendship can mix, then this show is for you. This is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia. 
having said that, now the interesting thing that I want to get into is that, okay, sort of like, you know, that that was the Gojek formula and you're trying to reapply it over here. And but aside from that one, you 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 review the sort of like the landscape here in the Philippines, the economy and the demographics. What did you specifically add to the formula to make it a bit different? I mean, professionalism was there, tech was there, I guess. What did you do a bit differently that's making it sustainable? It makes it different. I mean, it's it's really safety and professionalism, right? I think yeah, that's safety, professionalism, that's safety. something that we, we that was the core of what we did, right? And I think. That with with that it, it kind of extends to everything that we do. Um, we're very strict about bikers. You know, as a result, we our bikers are very uh, aware of uh, the rules and they're more compliant. Right? Um, it like the professionalism and and I think the the community building as well. Right? That's also something that 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 really made a difference. So it, it means something to be an Angas biker, right? Because it, it's not like a it's not like a BS test where everyone passes and you can become a biker. Right? It, it means something when you become a biker, and I think the bikers feel it, right? When for, I mean, like in Cebu, for example, right when when uh, they became uh, finally became Angas bikers after failing like five times, you know, they they hubba hubba drivers now like have the customers calling them poor, and they're like, oh, oh my gosh, <laughs> like I'm so happy, right? So. So I think that kind of community building also made a, a big difference for us because uh, you take pride in what you do, right? You know, I think, you know, people are always telling me like, oh, your uncle's bikers are so nice and they're so friendly, not like Grab drivers. And I'm like, well, I mean, well, one's always stuck in traffic. In the other. <laughs> right? that, those are the things that I think just kind of built upon each other. Um, the plight of a motorcycle biker, the daily plight, um, is invisible to us, but it's so apparent to them. It's almost like racism. They're second-class citizens in their own country, and people don't believe that they deserve to be on the road. Um, so they have to go through checkpoints. They are flagged mm-hmm. down. They are run off the road. They are shouted at, and this is the day a daily basis. You know, it's like you know when you talk about hardships on the road or on the commute every day. To us, you know, they'll probably think about it in terms of traffic, you know. But to them, it's 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 an attack on their on their person, and we gave them dignity. Angkas, the job gave them dignity because Angeline never compromised on any of the safety protocols. We could have been bahalana, okinayan, pwedeneyan attitude, but then we'd prove that we had a ninety nine point nine nine seven percent safety record. That's better than condoms. Condoms is only ninety seven percent effective. Ninety eight, and ours is ninety nine point nine nine seven. So we're actually better than condoms and safeguard. So you know that being said, it created this um, unassailable fact that motorcycles are safe, even if the regulators kept saying that no, it isn't. No, we are safe. We are the exemption, and you can see it, and people experience it. And then that made a huge difference. And we proved that Filipinos, 30% of our workforce were unemployed. They were tambais, you know, drinking tanduay. Before, they were using their scooter for nefarious things. Now, they're using it to become productive citizens of the country. And, you know, what we've proven is if you teach the Filipino, really teach the Filipino, yung totoo, hindi yung test ng LTO na nandun sagot mo. You really teach them, you equip them with the proper tools they will follow and they will become productive citizens of this country. All they need is the chance. And we gave them the chance because we did not, you know, for, and it's funny for me because for somebody who hated school, 
you know, I would always cut classes, right? I didn't have, I didn't give school any importance. Now, education is what saved my life, what saved our company, right? So it's, wow. uh, it's, it's the irony of it all. So it's uh, George Rueca for Ancas Party List in 2022, I see, huh? <laughs> no, no, no. no I, I, don't, I don't think Anjali would like that. I don't think, I, I don't think Anjali would like that at all. But th- this she is leave, an interesting story. So, we, <laughs> so I understand sort of how you solve irritations, but this is the bigger thing, Anjali, that people are also wondering. Um, it's a great startup, but how did you start, I guess, funding the startup to begin? Because... Right now, it's a big, big venture. You were shut down three times. So I'm sure you were burning a lot of capital every time you guys were shut down. But how did you start? Maybe, you know, what would be instructive to people was how did you actually start off the financing for the company? Was it was it bootstrap? Did you get something from, you know, get from the Singaporean government, from venture capitalists, angel investors? How did it start off? I think, I think when you have a business model and it's something that you have to, I guess, build out, right? My, my advice would be it's, it's always better to go with friends and family first, right? And bootstrap as much as you can at the start because as an entrepreneur, you don't want to give away too much at the start, right? So that's that's really some, some of the advice I would give on funding. Um, but we started with like, you know, the people that we knew, the network that we knew, right? So, so and then you go from there because I've had experience before uh, with funding in my first company, right? And then I had experience with um, working at the, the uh, VC as well and George has also had a lot of connections. So I think the most important thing is to, you know, work with people who believe in you and um, and go from there. I mean, it's very rare to be like a Jeff Bezos and your first business entrepreneurial venture is basically your last. Um, so you do it in stages. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is what a lot of people don't realize, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, you do it in stages. You have a, a company, you, you fail or you be successful at company and then you now have enough money to expand to a different company, not just money personally, but resources and network. So you build up to that network. And then at some point in time, you'll be able to, you know, I, I don't think Ancas will be our last company for sure, because just because I have ADHD, right? Um, and we were, you know, we're the I'm same. We're the same over there, George. Yeah. We're the same. Yeah. So, so you build up to that, you know, you cannot be always well-funded. Um, and even now, even if Ancas is well-funded, we have to build up to that level of, of, of where people can trust us with their money, whether it's VCs or, or angels or, or friends and family. But also, I have ventures that are like today that are not super funded, right? Because it's a completely different venture um, and people are not as interested there. So you, you need to be able to be brutally honest with yourself in terms of the funding that you have. It's not just about bootstrapping. It's also about can you take it to the next level? And it's not just like if you build it, they will come. You can market the hell out of it. And you got to find ways to be able to sell your mother, to be able to get, you know, bang for your buck and trying to push the company another month, especially in this time of the pandemic. Um, so for us, from day one, she's always, she, not me, because she's more considerate of the cost and the whole P&L. She wanted cash flow positive as quickly as possible. So you build a real business. It's not all fluff. I'm the fluff guy, right? You know, I'll sell you the moon. But she said, you know, You're the you sell, yeah. So you can only you can only go so far. So you need fundamentals. Uh, and and the and fortunately for us, and we didn't realize this, uh, the bike business is different from the car business because the car business, the capex is so high for the car, and that's why you have fleet operators with motorcycles. It's much much lower. 
so the cash flow for motorcycles is much better. I think the unit economics fits m- more, much, much better than, than other types of uh, transport network vehicles or PNBS for ride hailing. But be honest. No. I mean, be honest. Yeah. Like, I mean, dream, but be honest. You know, be stuck, be stuck to the ground somewhat. Okay. Now, I want to get into the, the really interesting part. Like you said, no? you got guys got shut down three times. Oh, some, some legal then the pan- and, and then the pandemic. Uh, which also happened to you guys. Um, tell me a bit more because I want to know. I mean, it's hard enough to do business. It's even harder to do business when there are legal impediments on the way that you have to change. What was that sort of, I guess, entrepreneurial mindset that that got you through all those different problems? Because for me, I mean, I, I'm problematic with my business as it is, right? And then I'm looking at you guys and, it's like you 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 had a deeper ditch that you had to dig out of than, than than we did. What was going through your mind that made you want to continue? Because I'm sure, like any entrepreneur, you said, "I'm giving up. I can do my other businesses." Or, or you know, the same thing for Angelique. You said, "I mean, I could have given up on class, right?" What kept you guys going? You want to answer? You can answer it. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, what got me going before is different. What kept me going now is so I kind of matured into it. So what kept me going before was like, what? You're telling me I can't do it? <laughs> right, screw you. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get it done, right? <laughs> you know, the more they said no, the more it's just me. Like, you know, it's like I hear my parents saying that you can't go out, and I find a, a way to get out through my window, right? And just make taka. So I was just really pasaway. But I think eventually, you know, we just realized the impact to the community. The bikers are our family, and there are some there are some things that just fit. Uh, and I realized early, early on when I saw them that they're not bad people. And I needed to prove that to everybody. I had something to prove. You know, if you're with them, you're, you, 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 know, you eat with them, you commune with them, you know, you're part of that community. You see how hard they work and you, you detach yourself and you see how people regard them. And you want, you know, even me in the car, I wanted to drive them off the road because, you know, they don't know how to drive. And then because of this business, I realized there are 2 million motorcycles sold every year. There isn't any facility for any training whatsoever. No driving school, nothing, nothing that they can afford, nothing that is free. It's an institutional problem, systemic issue. It's the government's fault since time of Makopa, time immemorial. And now, for some reason, they, they inherited that stigma. And now it's their fault. You know, but imagine where these people are coming from. RJ, they came from tricycles. And in a tricycle, mm-hmm. you don't balance. You have a sidecar. You don't also wear a helmet. And you put more than one passenger, five at least. So you take out the sidecar, it's the same banana, it's the same motorcycle. That's their perspective, right? And the rest of the world or the rest of the country against them. Why? Because they want to take care of their families. And I needed to prove that to everyone. It was really that. I guess before it was more of like, don't tell me what I can't do um, because I do believe in this. And eventually it became the community. Um, then now it's just it's just really the right thing to do. It will help people. We've proven that case, and it's too it's too late and it's too far along to quit now. We've gone through a few shutdowns. What's another one? 
right? Yeah, um, I know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I guess for us, it's also we had a very, very short window um, on how we monitor, monitor success, right? So for us, within six months, is it different? Within a year, is it different? So we just kept at it. Um, we didn't really see the mountain. We just saw the challenge in front of us. I mean, God, if I saw the mountain from the beginning and there was no fog, I probably would never have come up Everest. <laughs> but then, fortunately enough, because of our, I guess, immaturity, because of our rashness, we didn't really see <laughs> how far up it was. That helped. Well, and having said that, Angelina, I'm also looking at you. I mean, for you, I mean... I know the stuff, and if you don't mind, I mean, I follow the news, right? I mean, you were declared persona non grata um, <laughs> at one point, only. right? Two yeah. times, yeah. What? And then, um, I mean, <laughs> you're, you're, and you're and you're Singaporean, and you could have just said, I mean, screw it, I'm gonna go back. Well, George, let's pack up and, and go back. The but, Singapore but, ambassador <laughs> actually got involved in this whole situation. <laughs> really? I mean, she met with for the me, prime I mean, minister. <laughs> Yeah, so wow. I mean, that, I'm just finding that out right now. I mean, that's an interesting story, but more importantly, what kept you going, Angelina? Because I'm sure George had his chip on his shoulder and then he realized it was bigger than himself. But how about, how about you, Angelina? What was it like for you, especially when you were going through these challenges? I remember Lucking Mayaman, yeah, now so she was comfortable. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. That's why. Okay. Honestly, I think one is not knowing at the start how difficult it was going to be, right? And then. <laughs> And then part of it is, you know, just being an entrepreneur and just trying to solve problems, right? So this is really a problem that's not, that we've solved, but we're not able to continue solving because I think that we really are the best people to do it. You know, if you're asking me, we're working so hard on regulation because we want to make sure that like when, when more people come in, the same standards are followed so that everyone can, can, be, safe, can be safe, right? And and professional in the same way. So that's why we're working so hard on regulation because we want to make sure the standards are kept. And I feel like, you know, if we don't do it, it's going to, it's maybe never going to happen, right? And I guess like, and and then, then it's a community as well, right? Because at the end of the day, like I've seen the impact that we have, you know, not just on our bikers, but, you know, I mean, when I started doing talks, I was very surprised and a lot of people will come up to me and thank me for starting the service. I, I did not expect that, right? I mean, like when we went out on Halloween, people were like, oh my God, Ankas. And, and it's like half of it is because Ankas is so cool, but other half is really like, oh my God, thank you so much for like having the service Ankas because it's like changed my life. And that's part of what keeps us going, right? Because like if we stop now, what's going to happen? It's unthinkable. So, wow. so yeah. Wow. Both, both, both very, both I mean, very selfless couple. I would, I would say, you know. So, uh, it, it's great to have entrepreneurs like that. But, but more than that, this is. I, I want to George, George's point. That's an interesting side story. What happened? What happened to the Singaporean ambassador and the prime minister? What happened to Angelina during that time? That's a very interesting story. Who wants, who wants to tell that story to me, George? Ikagustamo. Yeah, I mean, you know, Singapore is very uneventful, right? They're very proper. They do. There's not a lot of controversies. I think this is like a, you know, this was a government issue right government to government i mean there's only like a few hundred singaporeans in the philippines and one was being declared persona non grata but 
So the, the, the Singaporean ambassador got involved. There was some inter- intervention that happened. And during that time, actually, there was a bunch of entrepreneurs that was meeting the prime minister and the deputy prime minister. And there was a lot of discussions around that. So that became kind of a topic. I mean, it, was, it wasn't that eventful. It was resolved quite quickly. And of course, the Department of Justice also weighed in and said that, you know, this is not going to happen, thank God. Um, so, you know, I think it was part of the heat of the moment. Uh, there was a big misunderstanding with positions that were made during that time because uh, there was another uh, issue in some of the regulations that we were contesting. Uh, they were trying to cut down our member, you know, our, our fleet. Um, right. And for us, you know, we worked hard in this fleet, and you know, to give it to to cut it down just because you wanted to, and to, that you wanted to give uh, a chance to new players is, you know, we felt like you should give, you should let new players get their own. Um, and work on that. You know, that was something that we kind of had to, again, we weren't shut down, but we were kind of shut down because we were cut down. So I think that would be like three and a half times um, now. Wow. So yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been quite a journey. Um, different faces, different kinds of ups and downs. And, you know, we've learned that you will never run out of problems. So most people, they try to work so that problems go away. <laughs> And avoid, they avoid problems. avoid problems and they're in for a world of hurt because, you know, you need to get better at solving problems. Um, so problems just escalate. And there, you there's just a dip, or there's to... a different set of problems. The, 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 as you transition or you solve a problem, another one yeah. comes up. But that's our job, right? That's our job. To solve. Life is a Problem collection of problems. Yeah. 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 And, you know, like before, it, it's toughened us for sure. Like, you know, when we meet other people now, right? And they're like, you know, and we, there's like, for example, an issue, like even like celebrities, um, government officials, right? And there's an issue on uh, bad press, right? And they're like, uh, they're super like reacting to it. Like it's the end of the world. And we're like, ah, don't worry about that. <laughs> You'll get over that. And they're like, how can we get over this? I'm like, trust me, the, the sun is going to shine tomorrow. Your reputation is not completely destroyed and you're able to bounce back many, many times over. And these are like people that are twice my age, right? With much, much, much higher position than I am. A much, much higher, uh, a farther stature in life, right? But it, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's, it's, I, I wouldn't trade this experience for anything. More than, more than the business itself, I wouldn't trade the experience wow. it's had in it. Hello, listeners, and thanks so much for joining us at the RJ Ladesma podcast. I hope you are enjoying this episode as much as I am. Do you want to know how you can collab with your own brand here on the RJ Ladesma podcast? We use Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. If you have a podcast, sign up now at podmetrics.co and use the code in all caps RJ Ladesma to get full control of how you monetize your show regardless of its size. If you are an advertiser who wants to collaborate with us, head on over to advertiser.podmetrics.co and fill up the form. Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. So did Anjani make the front page in Singapore uh, as a result of this? She did. She did, <laughs> huh? Yes. 
I was in the papers a couple of times, I think. And <laughs> yeah. then my friends be like, "What are you? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> did your mom? Did your mom clip clip out the articles and post it online? And she show was embarrassed like, oh, a little funny. bit, right? She was pretty. She wasn't happy about the persona and grata. She was like, "What have I raised? You haven't I raised well? What are you doing over there, George? You animal! What are you doing to my daughter in the Philippines?" <laughs> It was pretty bad. You had to explain it, you know. Like, but the repu- in Singapore is all about reputation, right? Yeah. Yeah. So th- thanks for uh, thanks, George, for uh, for helping uh, with Angeline's reputation. But good press, bad press, it's business, right? I guess that's, that's how you look at it over here. No? That's oh. true. No, no, People forget on. what you do. People forget yes. what you do, but don't forget who you are. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. The, the one more thing before, you know, there's a lot of interesting topics, but the one thing I want to really bring people through right now is, is it, during the pandemic because there's a lot of learning to be made. Like, you know, just to share for Mercato, there was so much pivoting. I closed down because I was a place of mass gathering and I forced myself. We were, the advice I got from one of my guests here on the show before who was, um, he's Bong Fadulion, he's the president of Phoenix. He told me, RJ, during the ECQ, you've got to open up even if you fail a bit because you've got to learn, you've got to recondition the business. Because this is going to be the new normal. If you don't learn right now, you will never learn. And true enough, we, we were able to learn and we fixed up our business. Tell us a bit more about, I mean, and I remember during the time, that was your own journey. We were in touch, George, when we were trying to, see, trying to see how can we work together right now to get our businesses off the ground. Tell me a bit more of your, your own journey during the, during the ECQ from what you had to do to pivot the businesses because everything had to stop, right? So what did you do next and how did you guys uh, pull yourselves back up? Before Angkas, Habal Habal was fraught with a lot of negativity, right? It was not, it was not, the, the government did not give its blessing. After Angkas, it became a legitimate uh, form of public transportation and we're on our path to regulation and legality already. Um, same thing with the pandemic. When the pandemic happened, there was a lot of unknowns. So everything was shut down. Everything was not safe. Um, and we needed to prove or we need to find a way to make motorcycle taxis safe again during the pandemic. So it was yet another challenge, but more of the same, but you know, times 100 in terms of scale. Um, so, you know, very early on, a month into it, we knew that this was going to take a while. So a lot of provisions happen in work from home, uh, meeting over, uh, not Zoom back then, it was really WhatsApp and video calls. Um, so that, that happened very, very quickly. And the pivoting happened very quickly also. So obviously when we shut down, it was another day at the office, just another day in the office. Um, <laughs> but we, we really thought about the community because we were like, oh my God, what are they going to eat? How are they going to take care of their family? A lot of people are dependent on this. So we decided to cut our, to pivot to deliveries, but cut our commissions 100%. We had zero commissions. Um, and we went to, we did never, in Angkas, we never underestimate our audience because we have a relationship with their community. So we don't, if we're wrong, we say sorry. If we made a boo-boo, we tell them, you know, we'll fix it. Um, and, you know, this is on us. Um, so right then and there, we said, hey, guys, you know the situation. You're in the same boat as we are. You know, we will pivot to deliveries, but we're not the best. Sorry in advance for if we mess up or screw up, but we've cut our commissions, please help our bikers, short of begging for donations, right? Which we also did. And you know what? People were calling restaurants and establishments and saying, hey, can you let an Ankas biker deliver it? And we, and literally we went in zero to 60 days, we went from like zero to, you know, 500 merchants, 
right? We just unheard of. Of course, it helped that you know they, everybody was crumbling, you know. But we always we were always open and honest to to our customers and to our community, and they helped us through this trying time. They, you know, they literally paid it back. You know, they 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 gave back to us uh, to help our bikers uh, in our community early on. I needed to know. I guess that's one selfish way of me working with Task Force T3, Joey Concepcion, uh, a PA Joey, uh, and the national government was really finding more about the pandemic. Um, and that opened up doors. Um, we engaged the UP College of Public Health very quickly, much, much early on. We were discussing for six months on how to make it safer. What are the health protocols that we need to establish? We went to the Committee on Transportation. We hired a company from the US to co-design that darn back barrier you know, because there was this barrier that was welded to a motorcycle and that, that kind of like panicked everyone. I'm like, oh my God, you know, that is like super dangerous. So we got the, the motorcycle safety firm of the U.S. Marines to co-design the barrier for us. And again, in the most uncast way, we have gutter humor when we communicate, but then that doesn't detract us from doing what is right and having no compromise in our safety and our quality. Um, and the U.S. Marines, you know, this, the motorcycle safety firm that handled the U.S. Marines were the ones who co-designed the barrier for us. And that went through, Interesting. yeah, wind tunnel tests. It went through collision tests. Uh, you know, it went through, you know, several, a battery of tests to prove it. And we were the only ones that had it. You know, we went to, we, we, we discussed with the uh, Bureau of Product Standards, you know, and we went through the whole gamut of, again, trying to get this regulated. And then it worked. You know, they allowed us back on the road. In fact, during ECQ, when we went back to ECQ, remember that? Those the 10 days yeah, or yeah. two weeks we went back to ECQ? You know, we decided to give our service away for free. If it was free, then we could run, right? Because, you know, they, there was no public transportation, but this was not public transportation because we weren't charging. So IATF allowed us to give it away for free to doctors and nurses and also, we gave away the barriers to the, a lot of the different medical frontliners to use it. So we had the support of the mayors from Metro Manila, from Isco to Mayor Vico, uh, Mayor Emmy, everybody, right? So they were like getting using it for their medical frontliners or their BHERTs or barangay, uh, barangay medical teams. And for two weeks, we had 10,000 rides. Zero accidents, zero complaints on transmission. And that was the turning point. The government said, wow, again, unassailable. There's nothing we can say. I can't poke holes into this anymore. We got to put it back. And the cabinet unanimously decided, together with the president, to reinstate ANCAS. The entire cabinet. cabinet. Yeah. So, so just, to be, just to be clear, Angelina is no longer a person on Grata, no? So, no, no longer. No longer. <laughs> He's still no, here. But, this, yes, but this, this is the interesting thing I like about it, is that Sort of like many of us, I mean, we, we often say that we sometimes we find sustainable long-term solutions that are born out of the crisis because your product development of that shield is not just something that you're going to be using during the GCQ. I mean, five, ten years down the road, you're going you're to modify that further and it's going to be something that might be one of the main product innovations that have come out of Ancas as a result of this, this crisis. Don't you think, Ajarin? Um That's what I'm thinking. I mean, we're always looking at ways to make the service better, safer, right? So, you know, we're constantly re reassessing what we do and improving on, on, the, on the solution. Right? Yeah, then we're going to make that into a wing that's going to fly. 
uh, in about five years. <laughs> <laughs> See, I told you there's going to be all these all these innovations. Now, yes. <laughs> uh, speaking, speaking of these innovations, I'm going to start closing out this conversation. It's been really interesting. I didn't even ma- notice how fast the time went, no. But I think the bigger thing right now is what I want to ask from your perspective is what do you see now as the emerging um, opportunities that are coming out? Not just for Ancas, but maybe uh, in terms of business or the economy as a whole from your perspective. Because like for me, I'm seeing that right now, and I'm sure other people have seen it, that you know the motorcycle business, the leasing business, the ecosystem of the whole motorcycle business, now it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different thing. I mean, we, we can do something with that as a business right now. Our, our, I know right now, George, that uh, you're also working with our good friend, uh, David Almirol, to also... I guess help improve the Ancas ecosystem and the, and and the app, which is for me great. Where we're going to be partners soon with, with with I mean all of us working together with Multisys, all these people. What are you guys seeing as the emerging opportunities, uh, both for Ancas and I guess the economy as a whole from your perspective? Uh, I mean, I think for Ancas definitely we're we're trying to see if there other um, the other other verticals that we can serve, right? So food being one of them. Um, different kinds of deliveries. We also actually have a public service where we can buy stuff for you. And I think the Red Cross thing is going to be um, instrumental. Medical. As well. Medical, right? Because Blood, it's, uh, vaccines, you know, testing. So, so there's actually a lot of opportunities for logistics in that space because we have a very big fleet. We have the largest fleet. And I think just, we'll just keep innovating on that front, right? Uh, it, there's, there's also so much opportunities for our bikers and their families. To, to work as distribution centers for for products and whatnot, but for to 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 kind of get out into the different barangays. I think for me on the on the economy front, right, a lot of people realizing that they themselves can be entrepreneurs, right. So if you didn't know how to make burnt cheesecake, which suddenly everyone knows how to bake, uh, <laughs> you pull it off the recipe <laughs> and you make burnt cheesecake, right. Uh, I, I, you know, I've been like, I, I've been talking to some younger kids, you know, I call them kids, but like in their twenties, but you know, they, they, they are like reselling clothes or vintage clothes or, you know, just people seeing opportunities everywhere. And I think that's where technology has helped uh, everyone go online and be able to find a market, not just from the people on your streets, but it's like in the entire Philippines, right? And that this is why also logistics is a space that's going to be booming a little bit more because not everyone is able to kind of like transact so much quick, quicker, right? I mean, I, I, in, when I was in Singapore, I used to love that I could get things delivered on the same day or the next day. And that was something that I really missed in the Philippines. But in the Philippines today, this is something that is available and, and readily available, right? Today, tomorrow, it's, it's, it's amazing. So the pandemic has brought out a lot of change. We've sped up a lot of the development that would have otherwise taken a much longer time. So that's something I'm very thankful for. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, the, the best thing that came out of the pandemic is that lahat entrepreneur na ngayon, pwede ka na mag-sideline. So kahit empleyado ka, huwag mo na isipin yung boss mo. Kasi yung boss mo, may sideline din yan. Pare-pareho lang kayo. So, kung ikaw, sabi mo, you're five minutes late in Zoom kasi pinaplant na, pinawater mo yung plant mo, siya rin. Diba? So, you know, everyone's trying to make do, but then just do it, guys. Do not wait. The best thing to do, being an, being an entrepreneur, is to just become one today. Thanks a lot, uh, both George Royek and Angeline Tham. It's been a really great and interesting and insightful discussion. You've inspired me, you've inspired many entrepreneurs, and we're looking forward to the next journey that we can get together with Ankas and see where you're going to be bringing it next. I mean, 
Angeline, you're part of the Management Association of the Philippines. George, Rarified Air, you're part of uh, the Outstanding Young Men. Uh, you've also won some Stevie Awards. So, what's next for you? For next, next for you guys? I don't know what else you'll be conquering. Good luck to you guys again. Thank you so much for guesting here on the RJ Ladespa podcast. Please do stay around. We decide to thank every for listening in this this Tuesday again. This is RJ Ladespa. Uh, we'd like to ask all of you if you have an interesting business personality that you would like me to interview here in the podcast. Please let me know. Drop me a message. Everybody, have a great Tuesday. We will see you again next week on the RJ Ledesma podcast. Thanks so much. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.